You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to Episode 7 of the Million Praying Moms Podcast. Erin, a lot of our listeners know that you and I have been talking about the issues Christian parents face today for several years now. We've been just doing it a slightly different way. That's right. For the last two years or so, Brooke and I have been coming to you live on Facebook for weekly episodes of what we used to call Mob Live. Mob, of course, standing for Mothers of Boys. And that's really where the whole idea of talking about important issues for Christian parents started. And we did something like 50 episodes over that two-year span, many of which you guys asked us to make available in a podcast format. So that's what we decided to do. Right. So over the summer of 2019, we're going to be mixing in some of our favorite older episodes of Mob Live and offering them here as podcasts. Now, believe me, there were some absolutely fantastic episodes, and we do not want you to miss them. This week, we're sharing another heavy hitter, creating a biblical worldview for talking to your kids about sex. Yep, that's a doozy for sure. My husband and I have functioned for years under a philosophy that says we, as the parents, need to be the ones to get there first. In other words, we didn't want our kids learning about sex from anyone other than us first. We aren't naive enough to think that they won't learn anything about sex from other people. We just wanted to be there first. Same here. Having the talk with our kids came really early, earlier than I wanted it to, and I did not feel prepared for it. (laughs) Do you ever feel prepared prepared for it? I don't think so. (laughs) No, but we knew that if our son had heard one little bit about sex from anywhere, we needed to take the time to give him an age-appropriate picture he could understand that was built on scriptural truth. We didn't want him going to a sleepover or on a road trip and to hear things about sex that aren't true, but think they were. We just realized that it was up to us as parents to give him, to give all of our kids, a healthy, accurate understanding of what sex is. I couldn't agree more. When I began to think that we might be having that discussion with our kids soon, I started looking for resources to help us out because let's just face it, I needed all the help I could get and landed on an amazing resource from Luke and Trisha Gilkerson called The Talk. It met all of my parenting requirements like being biblically accurate, not too graphic, not above their comprehension level, in other words, appropriate for their age range used correct terminology, like no pet names for private parts. I wanted it to be just business the first time that we talked about sex in our family. I wanted it to come from an overall framework of the goodness of God's design and celebrating God and his gift to us, but also pretty straightforward. I mean, that was a lot to ask for in a resource. It 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 really was, but I was able to find it in the Gilkerson's book or resource called The Talk. I really wanted it to be in an 
an introductory stage where we shared the basics, both about sex and about our faith with them, uh, that we could expand on later. And the talk did all of that for us. So if you're interested in learning more about that resource called The Talk, you can find a link to it in our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Right. So in this episode, we hosted the authors of the talk, Luke and Trisha Gilkerson, creators of the blog Intoxicated on Life. Luke and Trisha have five boys and have authored many books and resources for Christian parents. Today, they're joining us to talk about creating a biblical worldview for teaching kids about sex. Let's dive in. Yes. So let's go ahead and just dive in and introduce our guests today. There are actually three of them. Um, So we're really excited about that. Um, Luke and Trisha Gilkerson are some of my favorite Christian family mentors. And I call them that because that's what I feel like they've been to our family in a lot of different ways and a lot of different um, capacities. We've used so many of their resources over the years. And as I mentioned before, I really find them to be very biblically accurate. But but Sometimes you can be biblically accurate and be over people's heads. That's not them at all. They really are able to take the true biblical picture and keep it accurate in a way that's easy for me to communicate with my kids. And I really appreciate that. Trisha has written at various times for us at the Mob Society. Um, she and I have worked together in the essential oil world too. And I just, I love their family. Um, Luke has worked uh, for Covenant Eyes, which is a fantastic wealth of knowledge that he gets um, to, to contribute to this conversation. And the third person in their party is their newborn son, Sawyer. Um, so welcome guys. Welcome. Luke and Trisha and Sawyer. Tell us a little bit about you, your family, your ministry, all that stuff. Sure. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for the kind words. We appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Hello, Brooke and Aaron. We are so excited to be on uh, on this Mob Live. We, um, well, we've been doing what we do now, <laughs> I guess, uh, five, six years or so. And it was just in the last couple of years that we dove into this full time. This is now what we what we do uh, with our time. We are, and we're so honored to do it too. Uh, We get an opportunity to speak to thousands of families all over the world uh, and uh, write to so many families all over the world about topics that not only really interest us because we also, we we joke that we're kind of, we we say we're our target market because that is, is so true because and we say pretty much everything we've written, we've written for ourselves first. Yes, <laughs> I totally understand. I agree that's with that 100%. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so that's for us. Is we, we, we use our own kids as guinea pigs of, of you know, what we need to try to figure out what it, what it means to be a good Christian mom and dad. But then, then the stuff that we feel like has really resonated well, that has really worked well in our family, we share that. We share that on our blog. We share that in the writings that we, the books we've, we put out. And the talk is actually, was actually a good example of that. I, I, uh, four years ago, uh, yeah, about four years ago, this last January, I, um, it was, I had put out what was sort of like draft one of the book. And it was really just chicken scratch notes with some diagrams. And I put it out on our blog and said, Hey, this is what I did with my son. He was, does anybody want it? Yeah. Does anyone want this? He was eight or nine at the time. Anyway, we put it out on our on our blog, and we I just thought I was the only crazy person in the world who actually wanted to do a sex ed Bible study with their kids. And to my surprise, there were actually thousands of people who wanted it. And we said, "Oh my word, this is oh look, this is actually a real need." And, I mean, we knew it was other a need. people need it besides us too. Yeah, we just oh, yeah. Thought, were are we the only ones who 
like to do it in this format. And to our surprise, many people wanted to do it in this format. So that's where it started. And then we've now since, since we've, then we've launched beefed whole, it up and yeah. written other books and some courses for parents too. So. Yeah. yeah. Good. That's the part that I love about it so much is that, you know, there's, um, there's something really good and true from coming at this topic from a, from a scientific perspective, like accurate information, accurate mm-hmm. biology, those kind of things. The world has so much slang. We don't, I don't need a book that, that helps me with that. My kids are <laughs> going to get it anyways. Right. right. <laughs> I need to tell them the real stuff. Um, but there's also something really good and true from combining true biblical science with true biblical relationship. And, and there are so many things that I love about what you incorporated into this book. So um, we're thrilled that you decided to put it out there. <laughs> and tell us about your family, kids, how many? Well, well, with five boys, we hear plenty of slang. I don't think they even <laughs> help picking it up from anybody, but yeah, yeah five boys. <laughs> yeah. And how old are they? Uh, oldest, you were talking about how you, you guys are about to venture eventually into the teen years here pretty soon. Uh, we have done that. We are in it now. Our oldest is 13. He's be 14 this summer. Um, and we also love, love the young man he is becoming, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, our uh, next down is nine. Uh, we have twin six-year-olds. And then we also have uh, Sawyer Maybe here. Sawyer, we can oh, <laughs> see the top of his head here. Yeah, we have here. And so, yeah, we're spreading, you know, we spread the gamut of uh, teen years all the way down to infancy right now. And we homeschool our boys. Yes. And now that Luke's home from work and we work home together full time, he gets to join the homeschool fun. Yeah. yeah. I always loved that when my husband was able to join in and, and, do, and he was one of the dads that would, you know, like he, if he was there, he was doing the science experiment with them or, you know, whatever. Which is great super hands on. And, yeah. and it's I, been fun. And it's funny that, you know, now that, now that I'm both working from home and now that, and of course, now that you all know that we, we homeschool, <laughs> I think this is one of those things where um, I mean, we just got back from a conference for homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. We just got back from a homeschool conference. And we spoke on this topic. <laughs> and we spoke on this topic. And you would, one would think that in, a, in an environment where you have a lot of people who are very deliberately protecting their kids from the world. In, in a way that, you know, if you're sending your kids to school, that there's sort of that, that sort of protection is not necessarily you know, right there. Um, yeah, it's different. Mm-hmm. There is an eagerness, even in that kind, even in that environment to want to know what's the best timing, the right way and the right words to talk to my kids about sex, because no matter how well we shelter them, no, even if we're, you know, even if we're doing, quote unquote, everything mm-hmm. right um, or even they if you have all think, the best filters and yeah. the best everything, even if you think you're doing everything possible to protect your kids, there is this intuition that all yeah. parents have that the world, like you were saying, Brooke, the world is going to fill in the void okay. if you don't, uh, yeah. if you don't say something. And so, yeah, I, I would say even among, uh, even among, uh, you know, uh, homeschooling parents, we're noticing mm-hmm. this desire, this thirst to know what to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's, let's just dive right in then, because let's get to the meat of this. So there's probably a lot of moms right now listening, right, that are going, I'm not going to talk to my eight or nine year old about sex. You know, they think that's way too young. It makes them uncomfortable to, you know, introduce that subject when they're, they don't think they're mature enough to handle it. And, um, you know, some people believe that talking to your kids 
about sex too early will damage them. Well, you know, like will do more harm than good. So Luke, right. what would you say to them? What are those stats that are indicating that it is good to talk to them earlier and that that is better? That's a good question. Uh, the first thing I would reply to that is that there's really, uh, I've not seen any research at all that would suggest that talking to kids, even just you know, basically having a dialogue with kids about sexuality is harmful to them. Um, right. I think it's more of a, more of a myth that we, that we tend to believe. But I've never seen any research that would suggest that talking, just talking to kids about sexuality is going to harm them. Um, in fact, there was even a study that came recently, came out in 2014, was put out by um, uh, the uh, Georgetown University, uh, demonstrating that talking to kids uh, about sex education, doing sex education in the elementary school years helps to avoid sexual problems in the teen years. Mm. Um, and that's just coming from a basic, you know, we're, we're not even talking here about teaching them about what God says about sex. This is just teaching them about sex generally. That parents and educators who do this, that it actually helps to prevent problems in the teen years when kids know good basic information about sex. Um, and I, I think that really it's just that because parents have often uh, a very wrong idea about what sex education is, that we have these fears. Um, I think even started avoiding the, the phrase sex ed or sex education I sometimes replace it now with sexuality education because I think when people think sex ed, they think intercourse. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach my kids yeah. about intercourse. And that's so when they think sex ed, they think uh, it's birds and the bees. How are babies made? Sexual intercourse. You're going to get into these sexual intercourse topics. Well, that's part um, of it. And that is a, that's that not is the, the whole thing. Right. It's not the whole thing. I mean, there's so much information that kids can have about godly biblical, what's godly biblical sexuality encompasses, you know, all kinds of stuff. Well, and I think one of the big things is to keep in mind too, we don't, we don't treat any other subjects like, you know, like, Ooh, we're not going to talk about it at all until a certain time. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, we make a plan like yeah. with math, right. You don't just like, Oh, we're going to do calculus today. We're going <laughs> to do is to do with math today. We're going to wait to tackle any math until they're 16 years old, but you know, so we encourage parents, make a plan for how you're going to tackle this human sexuality subject, subject uh-huh. you know, and that often resonates a lot with especially homeschoolers, but all parents really need to understand that, right. you know, you start out with the basics, the differences between male and female that God made us and move on to some other. And even earlier than that, even earlier than that, people, uh, even when your kids have, you know, probably a lot of people listening to kids are maybe thinking, oh, they're not even in school yet. They're like, you know, birth to age five. You can even start in those years. Mm-hmm. Eat some basic things. They have a creator. Their, their creator made their bodies and their bodies are good. Their body parts have names and they are, there are proper names for those parts. Mm-hmm. Um, there, is an, there is an importance. There's a premium on things like privacy and modesty, uh-huh. um, even just teaching the, some of the basic differences between boys and girls. You can do all that even before the kids turn six years old, before they even get into, into primary school. Yeah. Um, and then even as they get into those early elementary years, you can teach them. What are some of the basic differences between boys and girls? Simple discussions about even just real simple, basic. And when I say basic, I mean, like, I'm not talking about lectures here. I'm talking about 10 second explanations. Uh-huh. You know, 
there's so many ways you can do that. And you, in those early years, you can lay a groundwork. You can lay a good foundation for just a basic understanding. Now, that may not sound like sex ed to a lot of people, but it is sex education. It is. It's all part of sexuality education because God made us as gendered beings. You know, you, when you're the, one of the first things that, at least in the old days before ultrasounds, one of the first things that was said about you when you popped out of the womb was, it's a boy or <laughs> it's a girl. It's like one of the very first things that's said about us as human beings is what gender we are. Who, what are we? And for the rest of our lives, that, that, that determines so much of the course of our lives. And so, yeah, we need to just keep that in mind that sexuality is a much bigger topic than just intercourse. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said, because to me, part of, um, part of my job as, my, as, my, as a mother, part of my husband's job as their father is to disciple them, to come alongside them. That's one of my favorite parts of parenting. Um, and so you know, having those conversations, even though they may feel awkward and hard, um, shows your child that you're willing to do that. It sets the tone early from the, from the time that they're, you know, tiny little things, they know that they can come to you about hard questions. And that even if you might turn a little bit red in the face or not know exactly what to say, or, or maybe you have to say to them, okay, that's a fantastic question. I'm going to ask you to give me a day to think about it. And then we'll come back and talk about it. Um, being willing to have those conversations with them and not shutting them down or, or saying, you need to go talk to your father about that or, you know, whatever is, um, it, it opens or lays a foundation for much more than just healthy biblical sexuality, it it lays a foundation for good relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's where those conversations get to happen in that safe place. And that's when you'll find your child coming back to you over and over again, because they know that you'll go there with them. I was, I was just going to share a brief story about the fact that we kind of try and shy away from telling them too early or anything. Like, I don't think even, you know, when I was growing up that, just like me, I would have never expected I needed to tell about sex actually to my third grader, but I went to a sleepover in third grade and pretty woman was shown. And I think from there on that shaped how I thought, Oh my gosh, that's bad. Like, cause I was so like, I went home crying to my mom that they showed this movie and whatever. And and there was nothing she could have done. That she, why would she think they would show that at a birthday party for third? You know, it wasn't any failure on her part or anything, but it, it changed how I thought of sex before I even learned about sex. You know, yeah. it was, it was a bad thing already. And um, because mm-hmm. it was in a bad movie and right. um, that stayed with me for a long time, like a really long time. I, I didn't even know until like, getting married you know that that idea that sex is bad came from a movie where it was bad and before I even learned anything about it and that was nothing under my parents control or anything like that um so uh when we talk about ah I can't tell them yet they don't need to know it wouldn't you rather they hear it from you and know it's good Uh and it's and in the right place and in God's plan The safest place in the world for your child to learn about sex is next to a loving parent with a Bible in their lap. Mm -hmm. That is the safest place in the universe. And why you would want your child to learn about sex first in any other context Mm -hmm. 
um, baffles me, you know, that we yeah. would, that we would just like kind of just throw them to the wolves, if you will, just like, oh yeah, go out there. You don't do the treat that with nearly any subject, much less. Why would we do that with sex? Right. We just toss them out into the world and say, okay, you know, go, you'll figure it out. No, we, we desire to, to shepherd their hearts. And, and especially in this area, we want them to learn what God yeah. has to Absolutely. So let's dive into that because there's something that I think I'm hearing behind the conversation today that we've touched on a little bit. And I just want to throw it out there and figure it out. We, we have a lot of, a lot of us have fear when it comes to talking to our kids about sex. Um, you know, maybe Aaron, you know, your, that, that experience that you had of, of watching that movie and getting that initial, initial bad feeling about sex, maybe, maybe some of us are trying to work through our own issues like that. But I want to, I really want to dig into this fear that we have. Why are we afraid of it? Why, where do you think our fears come from and how can we get over it so that we can have the capacity to have good, healthy conversations with our kids? The, the fear of talking to our kids about mm-hmm. sex, yes. not the fear of sex. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a different question. Cause I don't, uh, yeah. A fear of talking. <laughs> right. We won't right. go to that other question. Right yeah, yes. That'll be a different show. <laughs> Maybe not on our channel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really think that um, this this fear of talking to your kids about sex often comes from you're you're afraid that knowledge of sex. I think there's there's two things going on. First, that knowledge about sex is going to make your kids become obsessed with sex and it's going to cause some sort of temptation, but that's not, that's not the case that we've seen or even that, that the, that's not the case. We couldn't even give our kids Bibles if that was the case. Um, How much does the scriptures speak about the subject of sex (laughs) and immorality when it comes to sex, prostitution and all sorts of things. They don't need to watch pretty woman. They can just open their Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I've told parents, you know, when I was, you know, when I was, when my, when my child was old enough to read, I handed him a book that was full of (laughs) the worst Kinds of misogyny, <laughs> prostitution, rape, incest, <laughs> stories of all kinds. And you know, they look at me and like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I handed them a Bible. And yeah. chances are, so did you. Mm-hmm, yeah. In fact, that's where most of, for our kids anyway, that's where a lot of their initial questions about yes. sexuality came from. Well, like, yeah, I was yeah. reading Genesis and, oh, well, okay. And First this... book of the Bible, it already kicked it off with sex. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of what our books are designed to do too, is to use the Bible as a springboard for these conversations too. So, um, but yeah, I think we need to remember that God is the one who is the creator of sex and the author of our bodies. Um, he's not the author of temptation. We want our kids to really learn how to think rightly about sex. Um, we want them to know the good design of sex, um, what it's for and, you know, what it's, what it's properly used for. And then, you know, I think there's another thing going on too, which is just sort of this misguided desire. We want our kids to remain naive. We don't want them to, you know, we want them to remain innocent. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that we say all the time though, is that innocence is a function of attitude, not information. Right. So just because 
just because they're learning about this topic right. doesn't mean that it's going to rob them somehow of their innocence. Right. It's yeah. a noble, it is, I will, I will clarify this, that it is a noble desire to want your child to remain childishly naive to the worst junk that's out there in the world. That, makes, sure. that makes sense. You, of course, we want them to, uh, you know, be sheltered from some of that stuff. Um, as soon as, you know, um, you know, as much as we can. But here's the thing. When you live in a war zone, you, div- you do your child no favors pre- pretending that you don't live in a war zone, pretending Amen. that we don't live there. Um, and that's just the, that's just the case um, with, with, with the world we live in. Cool. We live in a world of sexual idolatry. We live in a world that, uh, that worships sex, and we need to prepare our kids for that world. So. Yeah. Let's take, for example, if we want to just take our cues right from the scripture itself, um, look no further than the book of Deuteronomy. This is Moses' last sermon to the people of Israel. And in this sermon, he talks about all kinds of sexual topics. He talks about virginity. He talks about adultery. He talks about rape. He talks about lust. He talks about prostitution. Uh, He talks about nocturnal emissions. He talks about incest, cross-dressing. He talks about all kinds of stuff in in, in just that sermon. And then at the very beginning of the sermon, he says, parents, teach these words diligently to your kids. Teach these words. Teach everything I'm telling you today. Teach them to your kids. He didn't shy away from those topics. And why why was he so brazen about this? It's because they were about to enter the land of Canaan, a land full of sexual idolatry, of fertility cults of the worst and most perverse kind. And we live in a culture that is, uh, that worships sex. It is so important. And I'm not saying that we give all of that information to our kids in one conversation. Heaven forbid, we shouldn't do that. But we do that deliberately over a long period of their childhood. We we talk about just bit by bit, little by little, laying foundational concepts they can understand when they're younger and then when they're a little older and a little older. We We give them concepts to know what is good, godly, holy sexuality, what is perverse sexuality, what are the things they're going to encounter in the world. We teach them about these things. In why? Because the Bible tells us to do it. Mm-hmm. It's the wisdom of God that we would be preparing our kids for a world that worships sex, um, because um, uh, we, we need to prepare them to be instead a God worshiper in a world that worships pleasure. Yeah, I love okay. that. And you know, you mentioned. Let me just say this: you yeah. mentioned two reasons that I that some of us have fears. I think there might be a third reason, and that comes mm-hmm. from our own. Um, our own sin in this area, our, our yeah. own misunderstandings and personal failures. And some of us want so desperately for our children not to repeat our mistakes that we try and we just like take it off the table completely. Like if we don't talk about it, it's not happening. They won't know <laughs> or, or we're not healed enough ourselves from bad decisions to be able to talk about it in a healed way with our children. And so I would just say for that, that population of, of parents, like go get your healing. Jesus says it's there, go get healing in this area Mm -hmm. because it, you know, you need to be talking about it from a place where you understand it. And, and, you know, if you have sin in that, if if you've, you know, lived in sin or if you have made bad choices or fallen short in this category yourself, there is forgiveness for you. And God can work through that to make you whole so that you can go and help your kids be whole as well. 
<laughs> Let's all look at the happy baby. I know. Like, Let's yeah. take your comic relief moment and I just know. Like, it's like your... exactly what you needed in the middle yes. of this. Um, I think this is worth repeating as we look at the cute baby. Um, <laughs> you said talking to kids about sex does not rob them of their innocence. Innocence yes. is a function of attitude, not information. I just feel like that's worth repeating. Yeah. Um, so how can we prepare ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually for having this talk with our kids? Because we've already said enough times that this is important, that you can't start too young. Right. It needs to happen. So the mom that or dad that is sitting there right now going, okay, all right, what do I need to do? <laughs> to get ready for it other than you know have another cup of coffee or you know i wore this shirt on purpose today brooke uh-huh. um it says pray coffee repeat i feel like that's appropriate if you're getting ready to do this like pray, <laughs> more coffee okay god all right let's do this again <laughs> good so how do you get ready for it uh i would say first of all just to alleviate your fears keep in mind uh, while it's true, we did call our book The Talk. Um, we actually didn't want to title it that. We wanted to call it The Talks. And when we that titled didn't it, make any sense. No, no one knew. <laughs> that. So we went back to The Talk because everyone knew what that meant. Uh-huh. Um, so, but, but keep in mind, it is not The Talk that you're preparing for. Uh-huh. If you keep in mind that you are, you are, there's going to be, yes, there will be a specific talk probably where you mention certain things that freak you out, you you know, you will, there will be a specific time where you will talk about a penis and vagina and how those things fit together. Yes. You will talk about that. And, yes, and, and, that your, child, you, and your child will look at you like, <laughs> you and daddy did that. Yeah. It's this long-term approach. How exactly. are you going to tackle it over the long term? It's not like, so that should be a sigh of relief. You don't just have to like pick a day to like unpack everything in the world there is to know about sex. Right. Um, that you're going to yeah. be starting young and you're going to keep talking and talking until they're teenagers and they're out of your house. Uh-huh. I should show oh, yeah. at some point I should show. I wonder if I still have the picture. Yeah. Our, it's, it's upstairs. Is it upstairs? <laughs> I should, yeah. I should have brought it. Um, one of our six-year-olds, he... Uh, they do not know about sexual intercourse yet. No, they don't. they know many other things about human sexuality. He drew a picture of mommy, Trisha, <laughs> with, uh, pregnant with twins. And the one of the babies coming out of her in a very anatomically correct way. And I, I, I praised him for it because we've talked to him enough about human anatomy that he knows what's the difference between boys and girls? He knows that he knows, he knows the basics. He's only six years old, but the time we really are talking to him, we feel that he's intellectually and emotionally kind of prepared enough to really have more in-depth conversations about sexuality. It really will just like it was for other kids. It really will feel like the most natural thing in the world mm-hmm. to know that next bit of information. Mm-hmm. And then when he's nine or 10, we'll give him more information. Mm-hmm. It yes. really isn't it, when you don't think of it as this big elephant that you have to swallow in one day, but instead in bites, little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. 
it's not overwhelming yeah. and you don't, and then you're less likely to freak out. Yeah. I would say even in your book, um, in the talk, which by the way, if, if you're listening right now and you're like, okay, I need to have that book, there is a link to it right above this video. So you can go and get it right away. I know many of you already have, so go grab it, right? It's not an expensive book, but it's a fantastic book. Um, even in your book. So there's seven lessons in there and you don't even have to do them all at one time. Like we chose to, because we needed to be as, as Hal and Melanie Young call it the, the firstest with the mostest. <laughs> and so we wanted, we were running out of time. We knew like it has to happen this week or we're going to be too late. And so we went through and sat down around our table. It's just, we made it, we were already doing um, family devotionals every morning anyways, around the table as we ate breakfast. So it made sense to us to just make that our family devotional. It wasn't something that we set apart or said, this is different or this requires something special. We just wanted it to be a normal part of our everyday conversation that we had. So that's what we did. And we took one week and we, we just sat down and did it very quickly together. Um, And it was important to me. And this is where I want to go with the next question. It was important. I decided, I know, you know, in our home, we have all boys in every home that's represented here. We have all boys. And (laughs) and I think there was, there was a tendency um, or, or this desire in me to say, okay, maybe this really needs to be my husband's area. Maybe I need to give this to him and let him do it and remove myself from, um, from it for a while. And ultimately, as my husband and I talked about it, again, this happened like in a 24 hour, all of it in a 24 hour period, but, um, it seems slow motion. Now we, we decided that I needed to be there as well because my husband works shift work. And there are a lot of times when I am with the boys alone and we decided that when that we couldn't control when their questions were going to come up. And so they needed to know that that mom was just as willing to have those hard conversations with them mm-hmm. as dad was. So what do you all think about? Like, do you have a leaning? You know, that's what we decided for our family. But maybe you've seen in other families where it might work different, better, different ways, because I just know as a mom of all boys, there's a tendency for me to want to say, there are some things you just need to talk to your dad about. And maybe there are, but maybe this isn't one of them. What are your all's thoughts on that? We've really seen it work well in different scenarios. Um, In our family, Luke has had the formal conversations. So he used our books and went through them with our two oldest boys. But I've had a lot of really good informal conversations and we didn't do it all together. Our boys are spaced out a little farther apart. Our first two are four years apart. So um, when it was time to talk to our oldest, our youngest wouldn't have, or our next son wouldn't have had a clue what was going on. So there's that. But Luke, Luke took the lead on the formal conversations, but I'll tell you what, after every single conversation, my boys came up to me and and like I was usually sitting in bed and they'd come jump in my bed and we'd sit and talk about what they just talked about. Mommy, did you know that this is true? <laughs> did you know yes, this? How babies are made? It is, it's so cute the way they reacted. Yeah. And, you know, so, and so we would sit there and we would discuss. And so I think absolutely moms need to be involved in some way, mm-hmm. in some way. And you know, and if you're a single mom, you've got to take the lead on all of it. Or if you're married to a husband who just 
doesn't want to be involved in the conversations or doesn't see that there's a reason, you've got to take the lead on it and do it. But ideally, both parents, you know, both parents need to be talking to their kids in some way, whether it's the formal conversations or informal conversations. Um, And again, look at the scriptures, the wisdom on this. I mean, uh, look at Proverbs 6. Great for moms of boys to hear this. Uh, Proverbs 6 talks about the way that a young man can keep his way from the temptations of the wayward woman. And how is that? It says in verse 20, keep your father's command and forsake not your mother's teaching. Uh Fathers and mothers command and teaching their kids. It is not merely that there's going to come a day when your child is going to be in the world and they're going to have choices to make. Already, many of your children are already in the world, but there's going to come a day even when they're older and they're in the world, there's going to be choices they have to make. There's going to be the wayward woman on the computer screen. There's going to be the wayward woman they work with at the job. There's going to be something. Something's going to be at school. There's going to be something there. And will they, there is a benefit, what Proverbs is saying is there's a benefit to having the um, the echo of both the father and his mother's voice ringing in his ears, teaching them the commands of God. Uh-huh. And there, there's something to, there's something very valuable to that. There is a perspective that Trisha can give to our boys that I, as a man, or just as an individual, another individual period will not be able to give same vice versa. Mm-hmm. There is a perspective that we each can give to the, to the, to the question. There are some questions my boys are going to have about what it's like to be a woman living in the world today mm-hmm. that would probably better be answered by her and similar vice versa. And, and so, yeah, we, should both parents be involved? Absolutely. The way that looks is really more dependent on what's normal for your family. What's normal mm-hmm. for our family. Like, just like you were saying, Brooke, you did devotions around the around the breakfast table, all everyone all together. Uh, for us, we typically do devotions at night, and we typically do we um, divide and conquer. We divide and conquer. <laughs> yeah, we, so we'll do you know one. Some go with her, and some go with me. And so usually, just, the two older boys go with him, and then our twins and this little monkey comes with me. Right. <laughs> so, we do, so we do. So it just really depends on what's normal. So yeah. what what will feel normal to your kids? That's the way I would use, um, well, do any of these kind of formal and informal discussions, or if you're going to use a, a book, you could, you know, this is the, that's the way I would use the book. Yeah. Yeah. Ours was a very similar thing where my husband had like the sit down formal talk, and then we've had many informal conversations since then. Right. And, and that way, like they know that we're both open and we're both, you know, willing and, and if he hears one thing from somebody and that person had to leave for work or, or do something else, then you have somebody else to talk, you know, to talk to as well, you know, like, so there's not just one authority on it in your house. Yeah. So let's talk, um, let's talk about the talk. Can you give us a little more idea for the people that are listening that are thinking, I want a little more information before I dive into it. Um, who's it geared towards? How is it set up? You know, what's the format? And um, uh, how long should it take? How, you know, different ways to use it. What are they going to get in the talk? They're, they're, we like to tell people their Bible study meets biology lesson uh-huh. is what they are. So, um, and we tell parents that they're geared for kids anywhere between six to 10 years old is when we recommend using the first book. 
Um, that's really going to depend on your situation, your child's intellectual and emotional maturity. Um, our six-year-old's not ready for it. We have on the immature side of six-year-olds. And that's not because the subject matter is too much for them. It's no, because they just they, wouldn't get it. it. It Yeah. They can't sit. They can barely sit still for a conversation about anything, whatever, <laughs> much less about sexuality. So really it's not so much about the subject matter. It is it's just about the format of what you're doing, what mm-hmm. you, the kind of conversation you're having. Um, so yeah, six to 10 years old. Um, and we uh, really try to say that if this is whatever your normal routine is in terms of teaching your kids from the scriptures, you do family devotions, you do family Bible study, whatever. This is meant to slot right into that time slot. It doesn't need to be something that's like a special weekend getaway type of thing. We really encourage parents to make this as normal of a scenario as possible um, because you want your kids to feel like, you know, this is a normal thing to talk about mom and dad with. And I can always come and ask questions about this topic or any other for that matter. Right. And so, yeah, use, so the book, seven, seven Bible studies are in it. Um, you, some parents, they do, you know, one night after the next, uh, some, they space them out over a long lengthier period of time really just depends on, uh, depends on what your schedule looks like or whatever. Um, we have found that talking to now, now having, now that the book's been out for several better, years, for several years, we've now had a chance to talk to hundreds of parents who've used it. And we've been really pleased with the variety and the creativity in which parents have used the book. Um, you know, many parents, they sit down with, doesn't matter if they've got boys and girls, doesn't matter. They sit down all together. They do it. Some parents, they do a one-on-one thing with their kids. It just really depends on what feels like Trisha was saying, in whatever your situation. feels your yeah. situation, whatever feels normal. Um, there's nothing wrong with the weekend away approach. There's nothing wrong with that. But we do find that parents who are more inclined towards that often are parents who um, treat sex a little bit kind of like um, almost like radioactive material. Like it's this thing, like it's this thing we got to be really careful about. It's on the shelf. We take it down. We don't, we carefully open the box and (laughs) otherwise it'll explode. Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully it won't explode on us. Don't shake it too hard. Okay. We did it. We we got that conversation done and over. Let's move on. Um, And so this, well, there's nothing wrong with that kind of approach of, you know, the weekend away thing. Often we find that's paired with an attitude that, um, and and don't get me wrong. Sex is powerful. Mm -hmm. That's true. But this, the Bible also says sex is good. And so you don't want to only give your children the impression that sex is powerful and ignore the idea that it's good. If you do that, you've, you've become, uh, you've, you've basically treated like, you know, sex is, sex is icky, weird. So save it for the one you love. And, uh, <laughs> it, it just doesn't come across very well. Um, we want to try to be as casual, really to be as casual about it as, as you can to say, this is not just that it's a fact of life, but just say, yeah, sex is a good, wonderful thing. Um, and I think the, the book will help give you language mm-hmm. for yeah. how to do it. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing I love most about the book is that you cover so much. I'll just give away one thing. You all do t- talk about um, 
you talk about this in such a way that is so life affirming. And I love that so much as someone who comes from um, a background of having spent many years in crisis pregnancy ministry and just realizing that the way we talk to our kids about life, um, like we have a, a friend who uh, of our family who is experiencing an unplanned pregnancy right now. And so it's been really important to us to tell our sons because they're old enough, they've noticed, right? They get it. They have eyes. Okay. This is happening. That's not exactly the way that mom and dad told me that should have happened. Um, But we can, we get to go to them and we get to say, um, you know what? That baby is not a mistake. That baby is loved by God. That baby, you know, is just as much, Um, valued by God as you are. And I love that you all take such a, the way that you uh, describe what God creates to me sets a tone for the beginning conversations of helping our children to place a high value on life as well. And that's one of my personal favorite things about it. Yeah. I'm glad you like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was was a a big important thing for us is that uh, Mm -hmm. kids need to know that yeah, sex is powerful. One of the ways in which it's powerful is that it creates life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that if you're going to go about creating human life, that's a serious matter, but it's a joyful matter. It's a joyful thing that when a, when a baby is, when is, uh, is made. Yeah. And that one here who's desperately wanting some attention right now. So. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll wrap up. <laughs> yeah. 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 We are so thankful for your voice on this. And we're also really glad to that we get to have you back because yes. we've just like scratched the surface of just talking about it period. Like there's a whole lot more to go into that. And, um, we, um, are thankful for your voice and your encouragement and your resources that you're giving everyone and your time today, um, to share with us. So thanks for being on here. And remember that you can go ahead and get a copy of the talk by visiting, um, bit.ly bitly, um, forward slash, having the talk and each of those letters is capitalized must be each of the words is each of those words having h the t and talk those are each capitalized and um luke and trisha before you have to go sawyer needs your attention there you know we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to keep the cute baby any longer even though i'm having so much fun watching him but um can you tell our listeners where they can find you online social media, website, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you got a, a intoxicated on life.com, which is a goofy name for our, uh, our <laughs> goofy website name, but uh, we uh, intoxicated on life.com is the name of our uh, personal blog and website. Uh, you also find our store there where we have uh, our books, uh, not just the sex ed books, but other books available uh, on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash intoxicated on life. On Instagram, we're intoxicated on life blog. <laughs> and somebody already had intoxicated on life. I so, get it. Yeah. I get it. Very nice of them to take <laughs> her name. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. So yeah, that's where you can find us. Great. Excellent. All right. Thank well, thank you, you for so us. much. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we look forward to the next time that we get to have you join us and talk more about this topic that we all, we all survived. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> if yeah. you're listening, and you're like ready to go. Come on, this is your pump up speech. You can do it. We are here for you. <laughs> yes. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. And we will see you all next Tuesday at noon for another episode of Mob Live. Have a great week. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. 
Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together, we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.